Women's Health Melbourne is a boutique, specialist fertility and women's health practice, caring for women at all life stages. We're proud to provide world-class holistic medical care, including IVF and a range of other fertility treatments. We provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our two Melbourne locations are in Fitzroy and our new state-of-the-art Caulfield practice. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and you can follow both Women's Health Melbourne and Dr Radia Lou on the socials. Welcome to Knocked Up, a podcast about fertility, pregnancy and women's health. I'm your host, Geordie Morrison, and I'm joined as always by Dr. Radia Lou, CREI fertility specialist, gynaecologist, and director of Women's Health Melbourne. Welcome, Radia. Welcome to the show. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Many people are affected by infertility. If you know someone who might benefit from listening to Knocked Up, it's easy to send them a link. You can probably tell that this is our passion project and we do it to support and empower women with evidence-based information to cut through the noise of Google and advice that some might give, which may be well-meaning but not necessarily up-to-date or accurate. So you've got eggs in the freezer. What happens next? Now this is a question that's come from a UK listener, which is quite exciting. We've gone international. There's, I guess, two sides to this question. One is medically what happens if I'm trying to conceive using my eggs in the freezer? And the other is sort of logistically, I'm a woman, I've got eggs in the freezer, what am I meant to do with them? So will we start maybe with the medical side? Sure. Something you can really help us with. And you've got your eggs in the freezer and you're deciding to use them. Yep. And I was just saying to you that I had about two patients this week who came to see me with this particular Concern one yesterday, so yes. it's really fresh in my mind from a clinical perspective. <laughs> so there's nothing I'll ask you that you won't know the answer to. Well, there, there wouldn't be, but I think we've that. So, Radia, you want to use your eggs to conceive. Let's say I'm a patient and I come to you and I've got eggs and the sperm has come from either a donor or my partner. What happens next? So that's a really good kind of branch in the pathway is it with a donor or is it with a partner because the sperm is 50% of the equation so if you're coming with a partner and that's you know what a lot of people aspire to when freezing eggs in the first place a lot of women who freeze eggs might be happy to have a baby at that point but they don't want to have a baby as a single parent but then they do come back with a partner several years later and that happens all the time in my practice So let's pause. The partner. Sperm is made over 70 days in the production line. We have one chance of getting these eggs out of the freezer. So it's really important to now stop, pause and investigate this couple, both of them, because we want sperm to be in tip-top A-grade condition when we use it to take your frozen eggs out of the freezer. So just think of that, ladies, because your partner is going to go on a massive health kick and it's going to last for three months. They're going to cut out all of the things that could possibly be bad for sperm. They're not going to be boozing. They're not going to be smoking. They're not going to be having a bad diet. They're going to get plenty of rest. So uh, this is an important intervention. Intervention of dad bod. Well, it's it's an important intervention that we can put into place. 
They're going to be using antioxidant supplements. We're going to do everything we can to get this sperm as good as it can be. And that's really, really important. We're going to analyze it. So they're going to do a sperm test. Uh, and, you know, these are really important things that we can actually modify and change. From the point of view of yourself, we're going to do a hormonal profile. We're going to make sure that your thyroid's in good order. We're going to make sure that you have a pelvic ultrasound. And, you know, it, in obstetrics, we sometimes talk about giving birth and the logistics of childbirth as the, uh, the patient the passage and the passenger, where the baby is the passenger. And I actually use that when we talk about taking eggs out of the, the freezer, that those are the three elements that we can change, where the passenger is the embryo. So we also want your embryo transfer to go as perfectly as possible. So I want to make sure there's no polyps in the uterus. I want to make sure that it's going to be a smooth and atraumatic embryo transfer. So I want to make sure that there's no obstacle for that happening. I might ask you to have a hysteroscopy, which is a little procedure where we look inside the uterus with a camera and dilate the cervix for ease of embryo transfer. And we want to also make sure that the cycle is as hormonally supported as possible. So we can do an egg thaw in a natural cycle, but I tend to do it in an artificial cycle. The reason for that is logistic because in a natural cycle, we use the yardstick of your ovulation for all the other events because the day that you ovulate is the day that we take the eggs out of the freezer. And yes, while technically we can pick that up on a blood test, um, which shows when you surge with LH hormone a day and a half before you ovulate, that can be pretty stressful for everybody because we have to A, not miss it, otherwise we cancel the cycle. B, the lab have to turn on a sixpence to take the eggs out of the freezer, get your partner in to give a sperm sample. That can all be pretty stressful. So what I tend to do is an artificial cycle, which is where I support you with some hormones. It's just like taking the pill, um, but it's an estrogen only pill so that we can say, okay, we're probably going to do this for about two weeks. And then we're going to give you a significant amount of notice as to when all these events are going to happen. And we schedule it. And that allows us to logistically get all the team in their A-game and make sure that, you know, we're all on the same page and everything's happening. The downside to an artificial cycle is that it does have to continue for 10 weeks of pregnancy. So until your baby is 10 weeks old, uh, you have to keep taking medication. But overall for egg thaw, I find it works really well. So that's kind of logistics. Um, and then there's where are your eggs? So hopefully you've come to see me at Women's Health Melbourne and your eggs are with me at Melbourne IVF locally. But I've seen lots of patients over time because there can be literally a decade between when they've frozen eggs and when they want to use them, uh, where their eggs are elsewhere, be it interstate or in another country. And all of those other factors still are relevant that we've talked about up until this point. But you really have to decide, you know, whether I say, you know, the saying, you know, Muhammad goes to the mountain or the mountain goes to Muhammad. We've got to decide whether we bring your eggs to us or whether you go to your eggs. And most of the time, I will suggest you go to your eggs 
because there is... You're slightly less fragile. Well, you can get on a plane, you're less likely to have any concern in transport. <laughs> um, so what I would do, and this is my usual my usual protocol, and it can be a bit, you know, it can be a bit political because, you know, sometimes the eggs are at an IVF unit where I don't work and there might be, you know, kind of in some circumstances reluctance. But we've got to get over that and just do what is right for the patient. And I tend to collaborate with their specialist in their unit if they're living in Melbourne and their uh, their eggs somewhere else. And I can do most of the planning of a egg thaw cycle here in that context. Uh, and then they fly over for their relevant parts um, for sperm availability for fertilisation, which is on the day that the eggs come out of the freezer, and for embryo transfer. Because when we do move gametes, although most of the time it's safe, um, we can lose them. And in the context of eggs, that's your only chance. Because if we're up to using your frozen eggs, then that's your best chance of having a baby with your okay. own DNA. So we want to do the best for you in every context. Now, in our lab, we've got really fantastic rates of egg thaw and so exciting because when we started freezing eggs as a lab, when it became non-experimental, which was was only non-experimental in 2012, before that egg freezing was considered experimental, you know, we were, we were kind of nervous because there hadn't been that many women around the world, A, who had frozen their eggs, and there hadn't been that many babies that had been born from frozen eggs at that time. It was a technology that was much more commonly used for cancer victims who um, were suffering from a serious diagnosis and were about to have chemo or radiotherapy or surgery and were freezing their eggs uh, in a kind of emergency context. And it's only been in the last kind of five to seven years that we've really started to have a lot of elective egg freezing happening where women are freezing because of the age that they're at and the circumstances that they're at and wanting to just provide a buffer or a solution for the future. And so it is really exciting to see uh, babies and pregnancies from frozen eggs and we're getting more and more. So, But I do think it's a finite opportunity and it is really ridiculous not to premeditate every aspect that could possibly be optimised and to make sure that we're all on our A game when we make our embryos and transfer them because there's only that chance to do it. Is there a time that's... When you, that if you have a partner, is there a time that you should be trying or should you go straight to your frozen eggs once you've decided to conceive? So one thing that I say to a couple in that circumstance, we know what they've got, we know what their resources are, we know the age that they are at the time that they've come, and I say to them, well, what are your goals? What are your goals? Are you planning to, in an ideal world, have more than one baby? That's an important question because while a couple may be able to have more than one baby with eggs in the freezer, it's also possible that they won't be able to have more than one or that they may not be able to have any with the eggs in the freezer. Uh, but if a couple only want one child and the eggs in the freezer are of a significantly better prognosis than the age they are now... So younger than them. ...much younger... And if they've been trying naturally and it hasn't been working for them, uh, because remember, the eggs are on ice. They're kind of not ageing a day. They are 
there's no ticking time bomb for so them. quality is not affected at all. It's not affected at all. It's kind of an all or nothing event when they come out of the freezer. And we do lose between 10 and 20% of eggs when we warm them that were frozen. And the fact, so why, why such a range? Well, because younger eggs survive the thaw better. They just do. It's, it's essentially a trauma to freeze an egg from the egg's perspective. We're taking it out of the body. We're taking the water content out of the egg. We're exposing it to some cryoprotectant solutions. We're freezing it and then we're warming it up again. So all in all, if it was the choice was down to the egg, it would have preferred not to have all that happen. <laughs> and not every egg that is frozen will make it. Uh, so things that affect an egg's chance of making it, well, there's a bit of luck, which is a critical ingredient. I think it's about a 5% success rate. No. So what you're, what you're quoting there is a paper that looked at the meta-analysis of live births that was done in, I think, 2013 by Podgar. And it was 5 to 12% per egg frozen. Um, so that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is the number of eggs that actually survive the warming process not make a baby come out of the freezer okay so it is best case scenario 90% that will come out of the freezer okay Uh, but not every egg will survive the thaw what you're talking about is a study that looked at how many live births per egg frozen or per egg warms warmed were there and that's a really important point as well when I talk about women freezing their eggs For all women who are thinking about it, you've got to freeze a lot of eggs. You've got to freeze a lot of eggs. Not every egg can be a baby. Even if you're 21 and your partner is fertile, you're fertile, you're trying for a baby, you're releasing one egg, you're having sex naturally, there's no barrier. The chance of pregnancy per month is only at best 20%. If you're 40, the chance of pregnancy per month is at best 5%. So that's our biology and we can't change that. And when we take eggs and manipulate them, we can only make it worse. We can't make it better. You know, that's the baseline of when an egg isn't frozen, you know. So we can only make it worse by fiddling with the egg. It's amazing that we can, given those constraints, freeze eggs successfully. But per egg... You're right. If you were very young and you're an egg donor in an egg donor program, and that's been studied worldwide, um, so you're giving eggs to other people who can't have babies with their own eggs, the best live birth rates reported are about 12% per egg. So you've got to freeze a lot of eggs. And if you're doing it for yourself and you're over 35, well, you know, it's probably more like 5% per egg, which is the of live birth, of having an actual baby, of having an egg translate to a baby per egg. So the take-home message is that women who freeze eggs, it's a fantastic opportunity, but to get the best out of it, you've got to freeze a lot of eggs, definitely more than 20. I, I don't know the averages, but that says to me that that's more than one cycle of egg freezing. It depends on the person, but for most women over 35, you won't get to more than 20 eggs in one cycle. You'd be lucky to get to 10 to 12 eggs in one cycle. So most women over 35 who contemplate egg freezing are looking at doing a couple of treatments, two to three, to get a really, really excellent resource. And I guess in making that decision, you've got to contemplate also things like immediate cost because it's expensive, but also ongoing cost and I guess cost benefit because 
most units, I know this is true of Melbourne IVF where I do my IVF practice, most units have an ongoing freeze fee for storing eggs and that's charged annually or biannually and it's the same no matter how many eggs are frozen. So that is probably in the long term, depending on how long you wait between when you freeze them and when you warm them, that's probably the more expensive part of egg freezing. Well, at Melbourne IVF, it's 250 biannually. So yeah, so, so, but if you, let's just say you went away and left them for 10 years, let's just say your mum and dad gave you a 21st birthday present of freezing your super fantastic healthy eggs, you might come back and use that 20 years later. So feasibly that could be... Well, no, you can. You just, yeah, of course you can. You can keep them frozen as long as you want. You just got to do paperwork after five years. Ah. It's not like they're going to chuck them out. I thought they chucked them out at 10 <laughs> no, years. No, of course not. No, you just have to do paperwork. The reason that Victoria has that uh, restriction is that we're governed by ethics committees and there's a concern about transgenerational use of eggs and embryos. So they don't want, say, for example, a couple to create embryos or a woman to freeze eggs and then when she's 60 donate them and so there's siblings around who have a massive age gap because then they might not have the opportunity to meet each other if it's a donor the offspring might never have the opportunity to be in contact or meet the donor because they might pass away or something like that that's where that comes from so no one's going to chuck out your eggs it's just that after 10 years you've got to do paperwork and after five years you get a bit of a reminder from wherever you stored them that the paperwork's going to come up in 10 and years. The and the person who froze them. Yeah, well, that's right. And, and also, if you're going to use them, just use them. I mean, there comes a point where if you want to have a baby, you've got to have a baby. I had a patient, not talking about frozen eggs, but a patient um, who I was talking about planning a second pregnancy yesterday who's 47, and I said to her, you know, if you want to have another baby, we should probably get a move on because... Um, and at 47, by the way, we're not talking about using her own eggs. Her sister was her donor. But pregnancy becomes riskier as you get older. Things like having a heart attack when you're pregnant. There are massive physiological changes when you're pregnant. It's a big burden on your body. So things like having a heart attack when you're pregnant or getting diabetes when you're pregnant or having musculoskeletal problems when you're pregnant, like pelvic instability, those things become much more common as we get older. Having hypertension, preeclampsia much harder to recover from and even things like much harder to get up in the middle of the night to a baby to feed and things like that so all of these things you know I always say that the safest time to have your baby is the youngest age that you're practically and mentally ready because physically you're really designed to have babies at a younger age what if you don't use your eggs so that's a really good question and there will be a significant number of women who've frozen their eggs who don't use them and really there are three pathways. So one is discard. So if you don't feel comfortable donating your eggs, you can discard them. And then they would be respectfully warmed and let go. So that's one pathway. But a lot of women do choose to donate. And you can donate eggs in two ways. You can donate them clinically. So you can donate them to another woman to help her have a baby with her partner or with a donor. And there will always be a whole lot of women who need a donor egg to have a baby. 50% of women over 40 who need fertility treatment to have a baby will need a donor egg. And in Australia, there are real barriers to egg donation because going through IVF to create eggs for somebody else 
is a big deal and we can't pay donors. Commercial donation is not okay. And so it tends to be, it's not that it, when I say it's not okay, it's not legal in Australia. It's, it's okay and legal some, in some other countries and it works well in some places. So I actually personally think that that should change because it might change the number of people who altruistically donate eggs if they have some form of financial benefit from it. Yeah, I think we've got a whole episode and you mentioned someone you know in Spain who, who did it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's common. It's commonplace internationally to have compensated egg donation. And we do find that in countries where that is uh, allowable, that it's much easier to find an egg donor. But that's a whole other topic. <laughs> Which we've already covered. <laughs> well, there you go. We can look at another episode. Um, but, yeah, so you can donate them. And if you donate them, in Victoria, certainly, there's a donor register. So you agree that you are on the donor register. You can tick a non-contact preference if you want. But most people who try to donate or want to donate eggs are okay that if, you know, a donor-conceived child in the future might want to contact them that that's okay once they're 18. And uh, in terms of uh, choosing someone to, to donate them to, you do at Melbourne IVF have some say, so you, you can come and see your specialist and say, hey, I want to donate my eggs, and we'll put you in touch with the donor program, uh, and you get to have some say into who they go to. So that's quite special. Or you can do a known donation, so you might want to donate them to someone you know, uh, in which case if it's a, a known relationship, we'd get you to do counselling separately and together and if you do donate eggs to uh, and not to someone that you don't know through a donor program then you do do counselling to make sure it's the right decision for you because it is an important decision and we want to make sure that it's the right thing for all parties involved because uh, once we have a baby involved we want to do what's best for the child and we want to do what's best for the parents we want to do what's best for the donor so it's not always the right thing for everybody and some people feel really strongly that they want to donate eggs and some people feel really strongly that they would never want to donate eggs. And the other place that you can donate eggs is to research, so not to make a baby but to uh, have some research conducted in the lab and that's okay too. Uh, I can't tell you what specific research is going on with donated eggs at the moment uh, but it'll always be to do with uh, warming, fertilisation, things that we can learn from to make the process more successful in the future. At the beginning of the episode, we talked about how there's two, the two pathways, you've either using donor sperm or you're having sperm with, you're using the sperm of a partner. If you were going the donor sperm route, what, what, what would happen? So if you want to have a baby, great question. If you want to have a baby and you've got eggs in the freezer and you want to use donor sperm, to conceive, uh, that's actually relatively easy. So at Melbourne IVF, we have a catalogue of sperm donors and we have regular drives to recruit sperm donors. And we talked about how it's quite difficult to get egg donors. It's actually much easier to get sperm donors just because of the process of sperm Slightly donation is less painful. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, we do always have um, drives to recruit sperm donors and in the past there have been shortages but we're getting much more clever um, with marketing strategies and also I think this generation is much more altruistic about having babies and helping 
others. And I think the stigma around sperm donation is actually lifting. So I think these are really good things. So in January, in our episode, January 2019, where we talk about sperm donation, I said, and you get to choose between out of a catalogue. And you said, it's not really a catalogue, there might be five. Is it Well, no, there's more, more like now. That? There's more <laughs> now, which is really good. So we're very excited. We've had a very successful campaign at Melbourne IVF. It was called Get a Grip. <laughs> And it had all of these photos of kind of like hipster guys donating sperm. But no, it was great. It was really successful. So I'm actually much more optimistic than I have been in the past about the availability of donor sperm, which is really good. And so basically what you would do, uh, and we won't go into this in too much detail because we have done that previous episode in January 2019 on donor sperm. So go back in our back catalogue and and listen to that and, and you'll find all the information about donor sperm. But basically we get you in all of those other things I talked about, about optimising your health um, preconception. With donor sperm, if it's a clinic recruited donor, um, the sperm's already frozen. So those kind of male optimization techniques are not as pertinent because we can't modify the sperm at that point. If it's a known donor, so you have someone who you have brought to the table who you want to be your donor, like a friend, then... Certainly, I would say all of that other stuff still applies. The health kick, the three months good behaviour bond, the um, and that might extend the time frame actually using a a known donor because with a known donor you have to quarantine the sperm for three months. So once you freeze it, so there's really six months if you're using known. Yeah, exactly. It would probably take six months to prepare, but it's probably still worth it. It depends on what the sperm look like to begin with, and to be fair, what the guys you know, diet and lifestyle was to begin with and health as well. So certainly we'd um, do a lot of analysis and work that out. Certainly something that is open to a woman, if she has eggs in the freezer from when she was younger, wants to have a baby with donor sperm, uh, that we can make that happen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Knocked Up. For more information on freezing your eggs and what to do with them next, general fertility and women's health, please visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. Also check out our back catalogue. We've covered the best time to have sex to get pregnant, the legality of IVF in Australia, and of course, using donor sperm. By subscribing to our podcast and giving us a five-star review, it really helps others find us. Our mission is to empower women seeking real, honest and accurate fertility advice. We really appreciate your help. As always, you can find us on the socials, women's at Women's Health Melbourne and at Dr. Raylia Lou. And we'll be back with another episode soon. Yeah, and send us an email if you want us to cover any topics yeah. that you are interested in that we haven't got to yet. So podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. Yeah.